Hey, St. John. Welcome to the Post Sermon Podcast. I am Deaconess Dahlia, and with me today is Pastor Adam. Hey, Deaconess. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy Holy Week. Happy Holy Week. Can't believe we're here. So let's talk about the sermon from this past Sunday. So the beginning of Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday. And um, so Palm Sunday, tell us what is Palm Sunday all about? Uh, it is uh, remembering Jesus entering to Jerusalem. Uh, he has been journeying towards this city for quite a long time, especially in Luke's gospel. And this is where it is all going to go down. This is where uh, the God of the universe will make things right between God and man. And so he enters into Jerusalem in triumph, uh, not like other kings, uh, but he rides on a donkey. And uh, by the end of the week, uh, the city that welcomes him will turn against him, and God will use those corrupt and wicked plans to bring about his good and righteous purposes. It's so interesting, though, that that's not our gospel text. We had the gospel of, um, well, when Jesus was riding on a donkey, what Sunday was that? Is that like at the beginning of Lent? Advent 1. Oh, Advent 1. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We got, I think it's Matthew's gospel account. Yeah, the the church year and the lectionary do some interesting things, and I still don't know how to sort it all out in my head, uh, but we can talk about that a little bit if you want. Sure, let's go for it. All right. So sometimes uh, in congregations, Palm Sunday is also known as uh, the Sunday of the Passion, and you might have got some of that, like with some of our prayers on Sunday. And, or just Passion Sunday. Yeah, our Passion right? Sunday, yeah. And it is a custom in congregations to actually read a whole Passion account. So you would have read of Jesus's arrest and crucifixion on that Sunday, and then next Sunday you would have Easter. I don't know what's the older practice. Uh, Palm Sundays also has uh, some ancientness to it. So the readings are a little weird, honestly. So you get the Zechariah reading. You get Philippians 2, which speaks of his you know, humiliation and his exaltation. And then the gospel reading is supposed to be like the Passion according to Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And instead, we substitute that with a longer reading from John 12. And that's why we read what we read on Sunday. Very good. And you based your sermon on Zechariah, correct? Yep. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that text that you preached on. Uh, Zechariah 9, it's just uh, it's a four-verse reading, and it comes from one of the more difficult books to read in the Old Testament. Uh, Zechariah is, was it, he's the penultimate book, right? Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, yep. And in these verses here, which is, uh, he's a, uh, sorry, uh, Zechariah is known as a post-exilic prophet. He is uh, a prophet after the exile. When the, when the people have returned to Jerusalem, they are rebuilding the, the temple and the city walls. And think of the events of the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Zechariah is one of the prophets during that time. And so a lot of this is, as you near the end of the Old Testament, is God going to be faithful to his people? Will he keep his promises? And so even reference in there to like uh, the, the covenant that God cuts with his people He's referring all the way back to Mount Sinai. And it's a nice uh, sort of demonstration for us that as Christians, we always look back to how God has acted in the past and will he be faithful as we head into uh, the future. And I think verse nine people are really familiar with because here we get the prophecy of Jesus riding on a colt. I'll read that verse for us. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So I think this verse points to Jesus' kingship, which, of course, you bring up in your sermon. Right. 
And, and uh, Matthew and John both cite this passage. Matthew. Oh, that's interesting. Matthew really explicitly, John like kind of loosely quotes it. But yeah, the Gospels bring uh, this verse of Zechariah out of the Old Testament into the Gospels and say, here it is, guys. Here's the fulfillment. Okay, so I do have a here submitted question on this passage. Um, this is talking about verse 10, where it's speaking of the Messiah's rule. It says, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And the question is, what is this river that's spoken of in the passage? Uh, it, it just refers to the Euphrates River, and it's this you know, source of life throughout that region and everything kind of spreads out from that river. And so in Hebrew, if you just kind of get reference to the river, it's probably just referring to the Euphrates into the ends of the earth. And the whole point is uh, from end to end, from across the whole world, this king's rule shall be. That's the bigger thing to keep in mind. Doesn't it kind of make you also think of Revelation? Yeah, yeah. And so like rivers can be the source of life. Could So could you also think of Yes. So from the from the Euphrates, but also you could maybe in a wider sense think of yeah the river as the source of life. Yes. Yeah, and that's okay. why you get things like um, uh, Ezekiel. You get the vision of the temple and the rebuilding yeah. the temple, and there's a river flowing. Right. Through. This right. is a huge flood that's going. It's definitely out. a common theme. Right. 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 And, and you just mentioned Revelation picks up that idea, and there's the river flowing out in this, and the temple, and the city. Uh, you get Psalm one. Right. Blessed is the man. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, who is like a tree planted by streams of living water. water. Yeah. And so it's a huge theme that the, the rivers are these sources of life. Uh, Christ, you know, out of his heart will flow streams of living water. And he refers yeah. to himself as living water. So it's a huge theme. But just what so is... So you could make that move. Oh, yeah, to, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, theologically, of course. But just what is the river? Well, it's the Euphrates. And that's why the trans, the translators decided to capitalize the R in river. Yes. Yeah. Because I thought that stood out to me. Said from the river, capital R. Right, right. And this is, you'd have have known in the area, oh, okay, that's the river. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Very good. Okay. So, what was the central teaching of your sermon? King Jesus is coming to you. So, tell me more. Yeah. So, in the sermon, uh, I wanted to deal with this idea of what is unchanging about our king and that he's going to carry out his rule. He is going to establish his reign. He is going to put all things right. He's going to remove sin. He's going to remove death. And that does not change year in, year out, as long as we have to wait for his return. You know, our king's coming for us. And I think that's a really good and solid word to hear at the beginning of Holy Week, uh, but also in the unexpected shock and worry and temptation and trial and whatever else we face in this world that makes our feet less steady this is the unchanging truth. Our king is coming for us. And so I want to get into the problem that your sermon seeks to identify. A big thing you talked about at the beginning was this small thinking that we do as like a defense mechanism. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, I was um, I was trying to get to this idea that we try to maybe compartmentalize things a little too much or just I don't want to have to think about that bigger problem in my life. And so if I could just kind of cut that out and just think about just this little thing right now, like, and like just watch baseball. That was one of your examples. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just watch uh, baseball and just kind of distract ourselves or entertain ourselves away from having to deal with this issue or um, 
we do this in a lot of ways. And so I was just kind of using this idea of small thinking as a defense mechanism that I don't want to have to deal with the bigger thing. Let me just focus on the smaller thing. But the problem is the bigger thing is still there. And just to clarify, so the bigger thing can just be whatever's going on in our life that's like weighing us down? Right. What would you say? Yeah. So it could be our sin that's weighing upon us and just on our conscience and our mind. It can just be a recognition of the suffering around us and especially suffering about which we are powerless to do anything. And uh, seeing um, suffering that takes place and we can't do anything about it. And so can I just kind of withdraw and not have to think about that and just not acknowledge the existence of it and kind of cocoon ourselves away. And we know that doesn't work. And we know that's, it just, at some point the despair is going to set back in. And is there really anyone who's going to fix it and put it right? So then how did you get to Jesus? Uh, I got to Jesus uh, by kind of setting us up by thinking about my small thinking of uh, talking about a donkey and just thinking the reading's only about a donkey and nothing else. And there's nothing more to really say here. Uh, Connecting to us as we think about our small thinking in various arenas of life. And now when we return to the reading, Yes, God is saying all sorts of big things in, you know, all the oracles of Zechariah, tough book to read and all that. And yet the unchanging word of God still speaks simply here. Behold, your king is coming to you. And those words on that page don't change. Uh, Year in, year out. And that promise is true. And the gospel writers take up those words for us as well. Um, What is unchanging for us as Christians? Our king and what he's done for us, and what he will do for us. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I really, I appreciated that distinction you made from the small thinking that we do to distract us from, like you said, our sin or the suffering that we see around us. Um, And then you just plainly said how God's word is unchanging, that our king is unchanging. Um, And I thought that was a good, I think it was comforting in the the midst of, of everything just, going on in our lives. Yeah. And, and I was also just thinking of it being Palm Sunday. It, you know, it's the first of a, a bunch of sermons to come this week. What do you say? And we have been across these readings before. We know the story that's going to unfold. And yet we need to, I just thought there was just a way to say the story is still true. And that's what's going to get us through. And uh, sometimes the unchanging thing we kind of maybe just kind of maybe don't hold on to as much as we ought to. And so I thought that was just a way to kind of, you know, reestablish a foundation for us that this is what I get to cling to this week. And as Christians, that's what we cling to for all time. Our King, for us, for you, always. Yeah, it's kind of funny. That was going to be my next question, but you sort of started to answer it. But my question was going to be, how did Palm Sunday influence your preaching? Um, That's good. Uh, With the Holy Week sermons, you don't really preach in a vacuum. I mean, you know, this this is a Monday, Thursday, and a Good Friday, and uh, Easter, and so on, and there's going to be more to be said, right? And and I know Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter, we look at that as one service, but why not include all of Holy Week, including this service, it's, I mean, just the introduction to what is to come, right? Right, right. Or why not Christmas or the whole story? <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess we, you we had some everything. Advent and Christmas hymns come up in both services Sunday, right? Yeah. Um, but there is something to that this week, the church really slows down. And when you go through our services, you'll, you'll realize 
we spend a lot of time reflecting on, on large passages of scripture coming up here. And we really just kind of step by step work our way to the upper room, to the cross, to the tomb. Um, and, and I think part of this too is recognizing Palm Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's not Easter Sunday. And so the sermons have a different sort of feel, uh, a, a different place in the story. And even something subtle, if, I got to double check this, but I'm pretty sure I actually don't mention Jesus's name in the sermon. Oh, really? Except for the beginning, you know, grace, mercy, and peace be to you, right? Um, and, until the very end, that kind of closing line, because I say our king, which we all, okay, we all, we all know we're talking about Jesus until the very end, you know, and with holy wonder, uh, we say in the name of King Jesus, amen. And part of that is a recognition of Zechariah, you know, is saying your king is coming to you, but he doesn't know the king's name yet. Matthew does, John does, and so do we. And so as Palm Sunday is Palm Sunday, the rest of the story is going to unfold before us. And that reminds me of confirmation. I was just teaching this the other week, but I was I asked the kids what was the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we we can't say the Old Testament is law and New Testament is gospel, but they both speak of Christ, right? But we have the New Testament is a light that's shining on the Old Testament of giving meaning to these verses, like what they mean, and to help us see how Jesus is there. Because you're right, Zachariah didn't know, you know, who or Jesus' name isn't there, but we very much, through what the disciples and other writers of the New Testament, you know, have written down for us, we can tell what what that means. That does point to Jesus. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so I do mention Jesus, you know, briefly at this beginning about riding into yeah. Jerusalem, but that's about it. But um, there was something to kind of withholding that name in some ways to, you know, the week's going to unfold and we're going to see what does this mean for uh, this this Jesus to be for us. Let's talk a little bit more about Holy Week. Um, first of all, we are no longer seeing purple everywhere um, in our church, but we are in red for Palm Sunday. Or scarlet, technically. Or scarlet, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's scarlet. I know, yeah, but red. Yeah, and I guess I, I am curious. Maybe that might offend know? the Buckeye fans out there because they do care about scarlet. They do. Sorry, guys. Well, <laughs> never mind. It's red. Go ahead, Deaconess. Well, do you know why red was chosen? Uh, good question. So in general, red is like for the colors of like different feast days, like for saints and stuff. And it's usually a reminder that blood was shed. You're usually remembering, okay, if someone died on this day or we're remembering that, you know, they died for the faith. And so that's what the red usually is evoking is, is blood. Scarlet technically for Palm Sunday. Um, it's uh, Christ is clothed with a scarlet robe. Uh, that's in Matthew's gospel for sure. And again, if it's kind of that Passion Sunday feel, that that's the reference there. And so it's a kingly color, just as purple is this kingly and royal color. Scarlet has this as well. So something I wanted to bring up about the Holy Week services that um, I'm sure you guys have noticed during our Lent services, we have had a lot less music during it. And that was intentional, right? I mean, this, this is a season where um, it's a more somber season, right? We're we're in the lead up to Holy Week. Um, and this was something you had thought up, right, Pastor? Uh, yeah. And so while every Sunday is, of course, a mini Easter, uh, there is, you know, we can do things with the services to kind of reflect the different moods of the year. And yeah, there's this somberness, there's this restraint. Uh, it is a time of preparation and repentance. And now with Holy Week here, uh, a lot of that starts to go away. And our singing, as you already know, it's on Sunday, 
it is coming back. And uh, just as the church reflects on a lot of scripture, the church engages in quite a bit of song and singing as reflects on our God saving us. Yeah, and I know personally it took me some time to get used to this change. Like at the beginning of Lent where we didn't have our opening and closing hymn. I just really didn't like that. But then, you know... Or the, it, or the silence during communion. <laughs> or the and silence during communion. everyone's like steps like patter on the stone yep. floor. And yep. <laughs> yeah, and it, it did take some time to get used to it. But I think personally I started... I, I started to get used to it a little bit but still there was I think that yearning for just more song more music like and it made me I think just appreciate it too we take it for granted right hearing like the, these amazing hymns all the time uh so Palm Sunday I thought was just especially maybe because of that it was even more special just all of us being in the narthex um the choir started singing and then we we're all just singing together processing processing into the the sanctuary um and then we got closing hymn again and um communion we had our distribution hymns were back um trying to think if there was any other new additions um there'll just be little wrinkles here and there that'll, okay that'll change yep yeah yep. But, yeah. It's, but it's still not quite easter yep right but we're getting there that's for sure so let's talk about service times for people so Monday thursday Noon and seven, Eastern Standard Time. And if you could just use one word to describe the Monday Thursday service, what word would that be? Oh, I should say preludes before those services. That's that's new, right? Oh yeah, preludes. Thirty minutes before. Thirty minutes before. All right. Uh, one word for the Monday Thursday services. Um, you can't say Monday. You have to say something else. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having a hard time with the word. What's Help me figure out a word, Deaconess. It's basically like... Communion. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I was just thinking of how um, it's like the... It's the deep breath you take before the plunge. And it's just like, all right, everything's... It's going to be okay. And here we go. Because like on Monday, Thursday, you mentioned how the purple's gone. Well, purple could come back for it. You could still have scarlet. Uh, The color we're going to use is white. And it's this like, this is burst of, of hope. I mean, cause we have, as you said, communion, <laughs> um, we have the giving of the Lord's supper for the first time. And that is this supper that the church will celebrate until our Lord returns. And yet we have the stripping of the altar at the end of the service. Correct. Because uh, Monday Thursday doesn't end with the benediction. It just kind of pauses, if you will. And we pick up with good Friday and so yeah, we'll strip the altar uh, remembering our Lord who is arrested and beaten and stripped and uh, uh, the sanctuary is treated such. Right. And then we get to Good Friday, which is also a noon and seven o'clock service. And there's no benediction for that service either. Nor invocation is just going to begin. Oh, right. It's just going to begin. Uh, we're going to have um, some reading from John and then it's just going to be the words, let us pray. And off we go. And we reflect at our Lord's cross. And then we end in silence. And then we pick up with the vigil on Saturday. Right. And vigil. Okay. Let's see. If you... Oh, before we get to vigil, I forgot. Okay. You might see we're in the bulletin. This might be good. Any, If you have any questions on like what was in the bulletin or like what wording and stuff, make sure to get that into us. We'd be glad to talk about it in upcoming episodes. But strepitus, strepitus, fancy word for 
when we slam the book. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what it refers to. And no one has any sort of consensus on why we will go about slamming a book. Some think it's like you're closing the tomb. Some think it's, okay, well, Jesus has died or, you know, who knows? Um, you know, or just like... I always thought it was closing of the tomb. I always thought so too. But it's, I mean, the Holy Week service is just, we just do different stuff. And it's part of just slowing down and reflecting on on what our God has done. And so, yeah, I like to think of like the closing of the tomb and uh, the completion of, of Christ's saving work on the cross and we await his resurrection. We need some kind of word of the day during Holy Week. Here's another good one to know. Let's see if I can say it right. Triduum? Triduum. Yeah, maybe we should have started with that. that yeah. yeah. We are all over the place here. <laughs> That's okay. You can tell it's Holy Monday and we're just like, oh boy, what's coming? So Triduum refers to three days or the three services. And so Thursday, Friday, Saturday are that one service that go all together. So that's okay. Friday. I'm sorry. We're on Saturday. Easter vigil. Well, we are all, you can this say, is, we are all over the place. We're all over the place, yep. but it's Monday of Holy week. So Easter vigil, um, six to 8 PM. What year is this? Our third year of doing it? Fourth? I think it's the fourth. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, fourth year of doing it here at St. John. Um, this service has been around for a very long time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an, an older service. It, it's the end of the triduum of the three days, and it takes place on Saturday. And the idea of vigil was it used to be like all night, and you would essentially have like a, a lock-in, if you will, at the church, and you would wait until the dawn of Easter Sunday in Christ is risen. And so the church keeps watch. And so some themes of the vigil are, you know, what, what do we do on that Saturday? Our Lord is dead. And we reflect on, you know, the disciples in that point. And so what do we do as a church? We go back and see how has God acted in the past? What are the promises he's kept? And now we've kind of come full circle to Zechariah, post-exilic prophet. He goes back to Sinai, to the book of the covenant, you know, to the covenant that God cuts with his people. That's what the vigil is, is looking back on what God has done. And it culminates in Easter breaks out. So if you are on the fence about going, we definitely suggest that you try it at least once. I think everyone I know that has attended has just been pleasantly surprised. And yes, it is a longer service, but we are providing these, uh, like a little book for not just for children, but for adults too, um, that you can color and it goes through the whole service and just gives you more information on it. Um, And I think that will help with the time as well. And you're not just in the same place the whole time as well. We're going to be starting outside um, with a bonfire. Um, Then we'll transition to the stork sanctuary. And then we'll transition to um, our main sanctuary too, about a little over halfway through. Um, And you just go through the whole narrative of scripture. It's really cool. In a lot of ways, and, and it's very sensory, the service, you'll, you'll get some of that, that we engage the five senses. Might even get splashed with a little water. Maybe. We'll see. Yep. And I mean, when our Lord died, I mean, the creation came undone, right? The earth quaked, the temple curtains split, there was darkness in the sky, everything is falling apart. And as our hope begins to kindle, it's like our senses are being restored as well. You know, all life is coming back because our Lord is, is risen. And so it's it's cool to see that progression in the service, even the progression of the spaces is uh, meant to convey that. And there's a lot of Old Testament themes. You know, we think of the crossing the Red Sea, the journeying through the wilderness. The church has always been on pilgrimage, always on journey. And we get to enact that in a lot of ways with the vigil. And then we, of course, have Easter Sunday, 
we were going back to our, our regular times of 8 and 1045 with an Easter breakfast in the middle. Um, and I'm looking forward to that service too with just all the great Easter music that there's going to be. Lots of singing, bombastic, uh, get ready to say lots of ollies and lulias and stuff. Yep. Yes, we're back to our hallelujahs. Yep. But you get an Easter vigil too. Yeah, that, that that's one of the cool parts of a vigil is you get like a, you get you get the hallelujahs at the end and yeah. So if you want to say happy Easter and get to say hallelujah before Sunday morning, come to Easter vigil. That's right. <laughs> All right, very good. So this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. In case you missed the sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermons in the show notes, and you of course can find it on our church website stjohndublin.org. And if you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. Thanks, Deaconess, and I wish you all blessings on your holy week. All right, take care, you guys. Bye. Bye.